What's going on, guys? Jeremy here with Gun Mag Warehouse with another episode of the Mag Life Podcast. This is a guest I've had on at least two videos now. This is going to be filmed in the past, obviously, from by the time you guys see it. This will be a historic document that will live on the ether forever. So there might be another video between here and there that we end up doing, but at least two, the M249 video and the MCX video, both of which are guns in your possession, not your guns, your they, guns. They belong to the company. He can't straight out own, you know, modern machine guns, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. Just yeah. want to make sure I'm, I'm uh, accurate with the verbiage Lingo. There. But uh, you've got a very interesting story. We initially got introduced through Instagram. I don't even know if I said your name. Jack Copeland, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jack. We met through Instagram. You reached out like, hey, dude, let's do some videos together. And I'm like, hell yeah. I think because- I was like, I was just like, yo, you want to shoot the saw and make a video? And I think that's what I said. And I was like, yes, <laughs> of course I do. Yeah. I mean, very simple. Very simple question. Very simple answer. So uh, I'll get to asking you how you got in possession of that in the first place. Let's just start with kind of your background because you said something about a two-time national champion. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up, um, I grew up, I shot my first competitive match when I was 14 years old. Um, I had a, I had a training coach since, since I was 14. He was a five-time gold medalist, uh, rapid fire Olympian that taught me how to shoot. Um, and I've shot to, you know, I mean, I shoot, a, I shoot matches all the time, but I've shot over 180 matches from steel challenge to PRS to national air gun matches. Um, but mainly three gun, two-time national champion in three gun. Gotcha. And then you also shot in, like, Paris? Yep. I shot the 2018 Shotgun World Championship. I was on a U.S. modified team in France. How'd you do there? I actually got a zero on one stage because oh. I had a uh, I had a squib load in a shotgun from Fiocchi Ammunition. Thanks, Fiocchi oh. Ammunition. <laughs> yes. But And it actually happened to Alina Michalek, too. And really? she actually won the women's division, and she had a zero on one stage. Dang. Mm. Well, I went with... But I actually got 80th place to answer your question. Okay. 80th out of? 800. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Top 100. Yeah. Well, it was like seven. No, yeah, it was like 700 people. Yeah. Yeah, seven, seven, some change. But people from all over. I actually shot with the, the Russians and the Ukrainians. Interesting. They were all on my squad. It was pretty fun. It was a different time. Diff, different time. <laughs> they didn't... They did Then they did not, like... Talk or yeah, they didn't hang out. So they were already not cool yeah. back then. And actually, the Ukrainians were meaner than the Russians. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. How the turntables? Yeah, can't believe media nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went with Steve, who is our buyer here, to mm-hmm. the PRS championship in twenty twenty one. I think. Yeah. And uh, he unfortunately had a dead trigger on mm-hmm. one of the rounds and got him a zero. And that was the difference between like 20 placements. Mm-hmm. And luckily he had a in the exact same gun in his truck as like a backup. Luckily. But still, <laughs> like for that stage, once you yep. start the course fire, that's it. And so that was his run. So. Yeah, it's, it's once you get to that point of, you know, doing the fundamentals and having your footwork and, you know, your target transition drills and stuff like that, it really all comes down to your equipment. 
Um, you know, a lot of people run hand-loaded ammo in their pistol and stuff like that. And, you know, I've seen, you, you really don't think that your equipment will fail you, but it, I've, it's failed me before. So, yeah. Um, when I, I did my first steel challenge, which is the first only competitive quote unquote, mm-hmm. even though I don't think there's like, are there rankings for steel challenge? Like, yeah, there, there's like or? open for, for steel challenge. It's, it's different from USPSA. There's like open tack ops and there's like limited for like iron sights. And then, you know, there's juniors and all that kind of stuff, you know, anyone below 18, but steel challenge. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've shot, I've only shot one national steel challenge match, gotcha. but the people that shoot that <clears throat> in three gun in, in that kind of action shooting, it's like the redheaded stepchild of the gun industry. Cause you have to be proficient with three weapons. So you have to be, you know, pistol, shotgun, and rifle. And we're shooting a rifle out to 600 yards. Yeah. That's so yeah, and so to sit in a box and shoot six targets and do it in like half a second, I'm like, man, this isn't really exciting to me. <laughs> like, I want to run through a course of fire and have my rifle slung behind me and my pistol and carrying my shotgun. Yeah. Well, for like me, that. That's <laughs> as a normal person <laughs> yeah. who uh, didn't have a gold medalist teach me how to do anything. I thought it was great. It was a great, it yeah. was a great start because, yeah, I had like a box to stand in, mm-hmm. and then maybe I ran a little bit further forward in another <laughs> box and shot again. Um, but it was there was no real scoring. It was just mm-hmm. make the sound on the steel and do it as fast as you can. So to me, that was real simple to understand. Yeah. And you start to get your feet wet with like the course of fire and like, okay, do this twice, this one three times, and go back and forth, whatever, because they're all different. But uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, if I had to do a three-gun challenge first, uh, I would have been shitting bricks, yeah. to say the least. It, it's scary first time, but it's but it what what I what I like to emphasize on is three-gun has the nicest people, like literally, you know, like for what you said in the PRS, like I don't know those guys or whatever, but all the PRS matches that I have. You know, when you walk into a room, the tone is just different. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it is in competitive shooting. And in three gun, everyone's super nice. Like I've had people give me their eight thousand dollar pistols to shoot the stage because my Glock wasn't working with the ammo that I reloaded. You wow. know, and that that's, that's like nice. yeah. And I mean, it, it's literally like that too. You know, of course, there's some dickheads, but there's you know, there, uh, it's always like that. I was gonna say with PRS, there was a ton of nice guys there. <clears throat> Um, and they, they were excited that I was interested in yeah. it because, you know, everybody really wants to grow the sport. There was a couple guys that, you know, I'm walking around with a camera yeah. that were just like, you could tell they didn't mm. really want me there. And that's fine because I was there when they yeah. wanted me to be there or not. Yeah. But uh, it, as far as I'm concerned, generally speaking, competitive shooting across anything that I've seen so far has been very inviting and really helpful. Too, because mm. even the the first guy that I talked to, Matt Partain, who was shooting at the PRS Championship, he's like, "There's always a reason not to start. Mm-hmm. You can always come up with something that's going to stop you. But if you come out here and shoot, people will lend a hand. Like, yeah, you can shoot my rifle if you want." And like he explicitly said. That. Yeah, and I'm real selective on kind of the the national matches that I shoot. The one that I love is Jerry Mitchell's three gun match that he runs every year. Um, it's called like Babes of Bullets or something like that, but it's real, it's real like leaning towards the junior shooters and the females and stuff. And it was actually pretty funny is they, 
they do a little course. They do like a little clinic before you actually shoot the match. Mm-hmm. So you can shoot and be on the line. And Lena Mitchell will show you how to load your shotgun and stuff. And it was funny as I was on the line and I was in the course in the clinic because I wanted to get a little bit of trigger time before I shot sure. the match. But they were like, everyone was like, they're like, why are you shooting? They're like, here, how how would you do this? Like, you shot in France. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm nobody or whatever. And I actually won that match. So it was pretty funny. I was like, I don't know why you want me over here. Like, I'm not Lena Mitchell-Egg. And so, yeah, but it's a great group of people. It really is. How'd you get uh, introduced to the gold medalist? So we were actually at a gun show, and I just bought my Glock 17. His name is John McNally. And um, he makes a Glock trigger and, uh, you know, went up to his booth at the gun show and we're like, hey, check out, I make Glock triggers and checked it out. And he's like, oh, I'm an Olympian and train people. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I've trained my son. So that's kind of how that all kicked off for me. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, you're a very personable guy. Um, everybody, everybody. Try, try to be all in the DMs. You're like leaning <laughs> over, like, hey, I'm Jack. <laughs> hey, nice to meet you. Oh, you're the owner of uh, Swarovski. Or <laughs> That's <laughs> how it works. Like, oh dear God! That's how yeah. it works. Because uh, yeah, growing up, I could never, uh, I could never afford paying full price for that shit. So I was always well, like, hey, I shoot three gun, friends. and they're like, I don't know what that is, but here's thirty five percent off. Hell yeah! <laughs> I'm yeah. like, okay, cool. So you met him at a gun show, mm-hmm. and then you're just like. I want to get good at shooting. And yeah, like, and I he will he he trained me religiously for probably a year. We shoot every weekend. We shoot a thousand rounds every weekend. What do you get in return for that? Huh? Did you pay him for? Yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We all paid right. him for his time and all that. Um, you know, my dad did that. I mean, I was so young, but I don't remember. But I mean, me growing up, like I loved shooting. Like that's like I, I loved it. Like my parents thought I was going to grow up and become a serial killer. You know, when my you dad, like yeah, when I was like 12 or 10 years old, my dad would come home and I'd be like, open the gun safe. I can play with the guns. And then like that, like happened every day. Yeah. So. Yeah. I wish I knew exactly what I wanted to do as a kid. That would be, that would have put me at a, yeah. at a good head start to say the least. Cause now I'm just, you know, catching. Well, I wish that. it had more money in it than the, I wish it had more money in it. Like, uh, with some, you know, with some fishing rods and fishing reels and shit, mm-hmm. which would, which would be nice, but it's, it's a small industry. And it's, it don't, uh, they don't pay the big bucks, I guess would be the word. Well, yeah. I mean, to, to even pay for the equipment itself, mm-hmm. it's like good luck. And yeah, they're not just handing out rifles to guys who want to shoot. No. You know, ask me how no. I know. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as nice as that would be, believe it or not, you got to actually fork over some of your own cash to do that. Yeah. But the training side of things and, like, getting the experience is another part that, you know, it's a really convenient excuse for me mm-hmm. uh, to not get started because <laughs> I can I can rationalize. Like, well, I don't want to build a bunch of bad habits. Yeah. And maybe that's true, but it could also be argued that starting and moving somewhere is better than doing nothing at all. Correct. Correct. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in, you know, getting training, going to courses and stuff like that. I mean, even if it's a little, you know, bullshit-ass clinic at the little little shooting range down at the down over by the pawn shop, you know, I'm, I'm all for it, really. 
Yeah, and also finding out like what is a reputable trainer. Mm. Like I hear that a lot. Oh, make sure you get training from like a reputable trainer. How do I determine who a reputable trainer is? There's guys that have shot people in shoot houses that do training courses, and there's people that say, yeah. "Oh, I, I loved this class. It was a great mm-hmm. class." How am I supposed to be able to come in? That? You know, from to my opinion, who I've worked for four different training group companies. Uh, I used to work for Mill Creek Shooting Resort as a long-range shooting resort. I used to work for Spartan Tactical. Um, I used to work for Krantz Training Group. Um, and those were all kind of LE military-based kind of guys, um, I would say. Um, actually, the owner of, of Spartan Tactical is Jim Smith, and he was in the helicopter Black Hawk Down, so I guess oh. you would say a little bit more tactical than, than so to speak. But, um, you know, you know, and all the retrospect, all the tactical stuff and all that, I teach fundamentals. You know, that's 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 the way I teach. I stay in my lane. You know, I'm not I'm not going to go out and teach a CQB course. I'm have somebody else teach that to me, you know, and I I enjoy learning just as well. I mean, I always learn stuff on tips and tricks on, you know, how to use a little kestrel thing because I still don't know how to use that thing. Yeah. And it's really complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ADHD and dyslexic mind is real tough. There's a lot, I mean, I know it does math for you, but still, if you type in the wrong stuff, it's going to give you the wrong information. So if you don't know what you're doing, you're just kind of wasting your yeah. time. No, when I'm setting that up, I'm with somebody. <laughs> I'm with That's somebody who knows what they're doing with yeah. that thing because those things are confusing. I Whenever I went and shot with Sidewinder, that was the same reason. And he explained to me, like, um, the beginning part, the math of kind of where they get that information based mm-hmm. on these, like, log charts. And somebody's already done the math beforehand. Yeah. And so temperature and all these other things. Barometric like pressure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then that. your average... Uh, your average muzzle velocity, but then mm-hmm. there's the ballistic coefficient and all. Like, look, if, if school taught me math related <laughs> to that, I would have been all about it. Yeah, but for sure. Can't talk about guns and nope. in school, so mm-hmm. it was it was never a thing. There was no way for me to relate it because now I'm like, oh, that's math that I actually want to learn. Yeah, but it's still complicated. There's still a lot that goes into it. And going out there and doing it yourself is just going to cost you a lot of money unless you've got some sort of yep. education to, in, to go along with. In another good retrospect is, you know, finding a good, you know, instructor and whatever you can find, you know, is it also saves you a lot on the poor man taxes, buying the dumb bullshit that you think is good and it's yep. not. And then you're like, oh, well, this is actually just garbage. Yep. And oh. there's a lot of that, sadly, there's a lot of that. In the industry, and um, you know, and I think a lot of that comes from guys who you know claim to be experts already. Mm-hmm. But the average AR-15 owner shoots a hundred rounds a year, mm-hmm. and so the guys buying those BS products are probably the same guys who never really shoot their gun anyway. They might yeah, take it to the true. range once or twice a year, shoot a couple mags through it, take pictures and go back home and put it back in the safe or put it back on their desk or whatever and never do anything with it. So they're never really actually testing their stuff. Before I took my... Uh, no, I, ca- I can't speak for those guys, but... No, me neither. <laughs> um, I'm in an extremely privileged position to be able to shoot a lot more than 100 rounds. True. Year. So... Uh, True. Uh, but having said that, 
the former director of marketing, Daniel Shaw, told me, don't waste your time buying a bunch of stuff until you actually shoot the class. Because not only will you figure out what you need after, but yeah. you'll see what other people have that didn't work for them. Mm -hmm. And so, like, because I was like, you know, how many mag pouches do I need? He's like, yeah. don't worry about anything. Which is awesome, too, because when I train people, I have a duffel bag just full of holsters and belts and everything. And I'm like, here, what do you want out of here? Just... <laughs> That'll help like 89% of the population. Yeah, and then you once got you get started. Punks like me who are left handed and then 100% oh, <laughs> of oh, your yeah. stuff just doesn't work for you at all. <laughs> Mag pouches, sure, but holsters, like, not going to happen. Not going to happen at all. That's why PCC is so convenient. Yeah. For Why me. haven't you hit up Stag Arms yet? For stack, what, a, a, stack arms. A left left the AR. AR. Nah, because <laughs> I don't need it. With, that, an, ambi, with an ambient safety. A radian charging handle, and hopefully an ambi mag release. Like my PWS has yeah. ambi everything, uh, on the lower at least. Um, I don't I don't care where it ejects. That doesn't <laughs> doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Plus, I want to be able to pick up a rifle. Yeah, and pick run up it. anything. Real so I do a little bit of you know I do some reps with uh, mil spec lowers just because if I I don't want to get used to like looking for my left handed safety and it not being there. Yeah. So, but normally I have to I have to run it like this with my thumb on the on yeah, the like what you're doing with the rattler. Yeah, yeah, because there's you know no other option. Otherwise, I like unwrap and that little bit of movement every yeah. time to flip the safety and then wrap it back around. <laughs> that just screws me up and it yeah. just wastes tons yeah. of time. Yeah, it's time. my only gripe with my TR9 mm -hmm. is that it doesn't have a left-handed mag release. Mm. Has everything else but that, which means I'm going forward. I need to reload. I got to take my hand back, press the reload button, then grab the mag and throw it in. Well, if you're shooting like, well, if you're shooting open, then you can have a 60 round mag in there. I don't know what the yeah, PCC, I don't know yeah. what the PCC um, rules are now, but yeah. Well, I've never done uh, PCC in USPSA. I did it once in that steel challenge and there was no like mag capacity restriction. And that's why I got spoiled on that TR9 because I shot it with Hunter Constantine's TR9, mm -hmm. and I'm like, damn, I've got nothing else to blame with this thing. Like, you can early on, you can, ah, well, I got a cheap, you know, cheap rifle, it's not that mm -hmm. accurate or whatever. Well, using the, kind of the top of the line, there is one that's more expensive, like the JP Enterprise or whatever. It's yeah. Like, it's like over $3,000. It's like a The one that's got rifle. the MP5 bolt in it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Those things are sick. Delayed blowback. Yeah. Whatever, it's literally an MP5 bolt in there. Yeah. It's cool. Not as reliable. Yes, correct. However, really nice. Really <laughs> expensive. So really, not like really the Taj Mahal. <laughs> not really like top of the top of the line, but like everything on that TR9 is meant to be um, kind of dummy proof. Yeah. Just, you, you, he yeah, was throwing in sure. rounds. Taron was throwing in rounds in his unbiased review backwards. They were doing hand loads on stuff, lowering the the uh, the powder in it, and mm -hmm. doing all sorts of great defensive ammo, everything, and it was just plowing right through it. Yeah, no problems whatsoever. Yeah, so super reliable and very accurate, which means if you miss, that's your fault. Correct. It's Correct. not anybody else's fault. So to me, I like having fewer guns and spending more money on higher quality items rather than buying, you know. Yeah. This is the amount of money I could have, with that $2,700, I could have got like four or five guns for that. Yeah, for sure. But they wouldn't have been good. No. So why Carbon fiber handguard's pretty cool, though. Hell yeah. That. 
hate yeah. to admit that. But yeah. It wasn't hot either. We were plowing through rounds, it didn't even hardly get warm. Yeah. Very lightweight. The brake, obviously, everything on it looks ridiculous. The mag <laughs> looks ridiculous. The brake yeah, is ridiculous. Does. But it's it's PCC. You want to talk about ridiculous, look at these shotguns and the shotgun competitions with the the tube that's like yeah my out. tube my tube i run a 12 round tube six it sticks out six inches past the barrel you have a little you have a little stalactite builds up like right where the barrel and everything is you have a little stalactite just ledge builds up oh on my it. god yeah well and that's just the tubes have you seen the ones with the mags yeah mm-hmm. Those distance and arms ground, bro. distance and arms my boys over there it's just about touching the ground yeah and we had one a 12 round one that's yeah. like this long, single stack, twelve gauge. Yeah, Dear I've seen Lord. I've seen those things fail so many times. But distance and arms is the they make a really really nice one. And I actually borrowed one for a uh, for a um, an airboat adventure. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it worked spectacular <laughs> for what we were doing. <laughs> but open gun pistols are the same way. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's where you see a lot of like the red anodized stuff, like <laughs> that. I, I'm not a big, not a big fan of red anodized. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, what? I, I, yeah, like little hand hand grips and yeah. There there is a lot of red and, in compilation too. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big fan. My first three of the my look. first three gun rifle had a red anodized handguard. See, everything else was black. And there's time and place for everything, and it's called competition. Exactly. Like don't. Don't bring and then to else. make it more to break up the red a little bit, I put paracord like in between the handguard. Oh, yeah, you really went after. I really had a lot of time to myself. <laughs> it was really yeah. Everybody wants <laughs> to decorate their rifles, which is fine. Yeah, it's, it's your rifle. Do whatever you want with it. Yeah, uh, I personally just think it looks ridiculous. It it, it comes with time. Yeah, time, eventually time you cut heals that everything. Stuff out when you grow up. A <laughs> No, I'm just playing. Those guys that shoot open and shoot competition are significantly better than me, whether they're shooting with red anodized stuff or not. But yeah, but even even with those guys running all the you know the 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 big brass plates on the end of their guns mm-hmm. and everything, it all comes down to the fundamentals. Yeah, you know. Um, and when I would shoot with open people, when I when I had their time, I would try to beat it. I was uh, and, I, and, I would, and I always shot tac ops, so I shot irons. Tac you know. ops means iron. Yeah, it's okay. iron. Yeah, so you so you're only allowed to have one optic, and you have it on your rifle. So you have an LPVO on your rifle, mm. and then irons on the rest. Um, if you wanted to be an open, then that's when you'd be like a mag fed shotgun or a compensator on your pistol and a red dot, and you can run a red dot on your shotgun. So open too. means you can pretty much put anything. On pretty much do whatever you want. To be honest, I, since I've never shot any, eighty percent of the people all. shoot tac ops, and then I would say the rest majority, you know, there'll be like nine percent will shoot limited, which is iron sights, and shooting iron sights at distance is really not fun. Dude, 600 yards? Pe- people do it, man. I know it's doable because all the guys who went through basic training will sit there and say, I did it myself. I shot 700 yards in order to qualify. Yeah. I know it's possible. No, I've seen it. I've seen, people, I've seen people first round impact on irons at 500 in a position. And they and they, they shot and then went up this little ladder into a position. Yeah. Usually the 500-yard targets are, like, massive. 
usually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it is, yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's not Still, too there's bad. a lot of variables to go Correct, into. correct, but it's still fun. Well, I want to do it. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, not just for, because I think it would be like f- fun to do. It would also be good exposure for, you know, people who had never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. But it's, I like to be able to be tested mm-hmm. to a certain degree because, you know, every, everybody's awesome until they actually have to go out there and do it. Yeah. It's like sitting and watching, you know, with chips on your lap, watching the Navy SEALs, the Buds training, like, I could do that. But when you're really wet and sandy and you've already done a thousand push-ups today, it's like, no. Yeah. You you quit. You ring that bell and you go home because you don't want to play anymore. So that I want to get out there and actually – test myself a little bit i've been offered the tactical games a couple times oh yeah yeah (laughs) i've i've shot i've shot two of those and they're fun they're fun you gotta have good group guys out there with them there's there's um get a good squad yeah there's um yeah i would say a little diversity like i said there's a you know three gun is the nicest everyone's so nice you mean diversity of opinion? Like some people yeah. just kind of being a little bit. Yeah. Um tough these guy guys are there. hardcore. Yeah. I mean they're I mean that's their game. Like that's what they do and they they're very proficient with it and that's what they do. Somebody said it reminds them of uh CrossFit. Yeah. Where like if if you're in the tactical games, you're gonna tell everybody like you're a vegan or a crossfitter. Yeah. And that there's a lot of CrossFitters that go into the tactical games. Yeah, there is. Which I will believe because mm-hmm. you got to like lift shit a bunch of times yeah. and then go shoot. There's a lot of guys that have branched over from 3-Gun and just done straight-up tactical games matches as well. You know, is it just rifle and pistol or do they have shotguns? Uh, no, it's just, it's just pistol. It's just two-gun. It's just rifle and pistol. Gotcha. Uh, my good buddy James Gill, he shoots all that stuff, and it's – um. It's a beating. Well, there's divisions for that, too. Yeah. Like super tough guy or mm-hmm. just like general tough guy. Yeah. Salty spittoon <laughs> type stuff. Tough guy. Bowl of nails for breakfast and all, yeah. that, all that good stuff. Um, I'd like to do it, <clears throat> but I need to get those fundamentals down. Correct. And what I've heard explained to me multiple times is that anybody trying to sell you a high-level class is probably bullshitting. Because a high level class is just the fundamentals fast. So yeah, CQB now there's, or whatever else. Now there's a there's a caveat to that, in my opinion, is you know, I've trained with Daniel Horner, Max Michelle, um, personally with those guys. And like what you said, they do teach the fundamentals and it is kind of repetitive in it. But those guys have shot so much ammo and they've shot millions of rounds and hundreds of thousands of rounds, but they have learned the little tips and tricks that speed you up and the kind of the secrets and kind of the ways to do it. That's what you pay for. Mm-hmm. That That's what you pay for is those guys that have spent the time and shot the ammo and done all that, that you, you learn just, they're like the, they're just like tips and tricks of just speeding you up. Yeah, hence why I uh, am talking to you about Correct. how to speed up. Because I can shoot fast. <laughs> I can't shoot fast well. <laughs> now, on camera, you can hardly tell, right? It's just <laughs> tricks of the trade. Uh, just don't show the target, and all of a sudden, it's like, that was great, right? Well, it sort of looks great as long as you're not looking in the right spot. But um, I've talked about this before. When the camera is rolling, 
all of a sudden you care about different things. Like I, I don't care about accuracy as much when the camera's rolling. I care how much muzzle flip I have. When that, when because that, because I know what the comments are gonna say. Oh yeah, can't like, <laughs> you know can't let I mean? them get to you. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> the problem is, is that most people in my position are already good. <laughs> They're not like you're usually not a representative of a gun company that's like getting better mm-hmm. and like started off just as an enthusiast and who's like going to do some yeah. training classes or whatever. It's usually like you're pretty freaking good already. And then now we're going to demonstrate the skill. And, you know, so. Well, the beauty of all that is you're going to not have any bad habits and you're going to be taught the correct way from the get-go. That's the idea. Then I'll speed you up significantly. That's the idea. And that's why I ended up having to just kind of cut out all the noise and slow down and start shooting mm. more accurately despite being recorded. Yeah. Right? Because to when me, I, I didn't want to build those bad habits. And I, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, being able to shoot well is something that I want to do regardless of a position because I might need to use that someday. And yeah. I, it won't matter how it looks on film if you're not hitting your shots. Right? Yeah. So that's what actually And it's happens. pretty funny, too, is when I train junior shooters, it's like, it's because the, you know, you'll never listen to your dad on how to shoot, you know, and all that. And so I love training them because they just listen to me and they're like, oh, this is the way to do it. You know, and it's just like, I'm like, has he ever got any instruction before? And they're like, no. And I'm like, I've kind of taught him some stuff. And I'm like, shit. Oh, I hope he doesn't have any bunch of bad habits. So. Yes. Yes. Which kind of brings me back full circle mm-hmm. with this vetting your trainers. Because I've seen, and, and you know, they get real granular, these these guys, these tactical guys of like the way that you clear a double feed and like what the Man, steps that you have. It's to a do. lot on the lingo. Yeah. Really. Like it, it's a lot to the lingo of it. Like, you know, I've trained hundreds of people and all that. And there's, and I've seen other people train other people and it's, it's a lot of lingo. It's a lot of it's a lot of lingo. It's just like marketing, <laughs> you know. It's not really true or anything, but as you know, it's to, the way the information is presented. Yeah, for sure. But the lingo comes from the exclusivity of the club, because if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you need to get. Dan, this sounds like some Andrew Tate. Right <laughs> you here. need to get oh, in the buy club. Five ninety nine a month, exclusive. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How do I take my skill set? And then mass market that to a bunch of people who, you know, want to learn how to either defend their family or prevent the fall of America. Yeah, or just know how to just hit a man-sized target at 100 yards. Yeah, the reality of it is is that most people who shoot on a regular basis aren't shooting 100 yards. Yeah, the indoor with a pistol. Like, (laughs) for where we're at now, we got to drive at least 45 minutes to go to an outdoor range, and. The outdoor range within 45 minutes here doesn't have a 100-yard bay. Mm-mm. Like, I might have my, my little special area I get to go to, but that's still like 40 yards. Yeah. So being able to regularly shoot that far. Now, if you go down to Houston, where we were shooting with Sidewinder Concepts, all the way up to Were you at the... Um, the ranch. The ranch, mm-hmm. yeah. Old Angel. Phenomenal. Place. Old Angel. Do you meet Angel out there? Huh. He's like the manager out there. He's super, super nice. He's a big hog hunter guy. Oh, got you. Yeah, super, super nice guy. Well, the facility was phenomenal. 
Uh-huh. Um, and the ability to that's where they did just about that's where they did Clash Bash. Oh, really? Yeah, I shot we, that. We were gonna go to that this year, but didn't. I shot a hundred percent stock Romanian AK forty-seven that my grandma gave me for my seventeenth birthday, <laughs> and I won the. I shot seven six two by thirty nine, and I won the limited light division, and I won the heavy division, and I had no muzzle brake, no muzzle brake, no nothing, just irons. What's the difference between heavy and light? If you can win, them like five five six, so you can have five five six AR or the, I don't know, I'm not an AK guy or the little the Russian five five six. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. That that would put you in light, but if, yeah, gotcha. if you're shooting seven sixty, you'd be in heavy. But yeah, I was gonna do that with either an M sixteen or the M sixty. I tried to do it with the saw, and they said no. Yeah, because it's not. 90s. They said no, and I was like, "But a dude's shooting with RPK. Like, what's the difference or RPD?" And he's, I'm like, "What's the difference?" He's like, "Nope, can't." I'm like, no. "Fine, I'll just shoot my AK." I was going to do the M60 and have, like, a red bandana yeah. and, like, a bandolier. And yeah, are you going to camp? No. <laughs> no, I'm not going to camp. you, you got to have full experience. We didn't go. Yeah. We didn't go at all. There's nothing to camp for. But I want to do events like that. Because mm. those, like. They're fun. Yeah, they're whether fun. you win, like, it's got nothing to do with that. It, you know, they're fun. Looking at Sadly, the there's cool a guns. bunch of people shooting galils in it now, and they got those galils decked out. Mm. Decked. Galil's are kind of sweet. Yeah, five five six Galil with a ALG trigger. It, it, yeah, is basically an, an AR. I an thought M4. you had to do stock. I thought that was the whole point. Like doing no, a no. Thing. There was a, there was a stock division and all yeah. of that, but we also, I think when they first started, they had like way too many divisions, and then they just kind of now I think they're like down to four. I think we also had an Uzi that we could use too. Ooh, that would have been fun. Yeah. But I didn't have like an idea for that. I, like with, at least with the M60, I had a whole Rambo get up oh. that I was gonna do. But but with the Uzi, I'd be like I don't know what the hell I'd wear for that. Like an IRA outfit. Yeah, <laughs> maybe like some jean shorts and some like uh, some New Balances. Yeah. And a and a polo. And some like, <laughs> mid calf white socks. Yes, yeah. Just go full dad mode. Thinking that, yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, for There's sure. There's a lot of fun events like that. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, CanCon. CanCon, yeah. Uh-huh, which I'm pretty sure by In the Phoenix? time this comes out will have already happened, or at least is about to happen. Uh-huh. Yes. Huh. Uh, we're going to do the night shoot out there with Dax from Night Vision Network. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, first time filming at night, because obviously it's really tough to film night vision stuff yeah. unless you actually just have one mount. Oh, I've tried. Uh, a hardhead veteran sent me a helmet and I actually drilled a hole in it to put a video camera really? on the on the top. Yeah. And uh yeah, it is really tough. Is it a bump helmet? Yeah, and it was it. yeah, it was bump. It was a bump helmet. And it was um I can't remember who it was. It made the it was like the IR camera video thing and people were using it as like a 14. You know what I'm talking about? I know that Lucas Botkin um, has like a dedicated IR camera, but no. Yeah, no. This was like this was like some some thrown together five hundred dollar budget. Ah. <laughs> yeah, well, we might end up having to do that. But we'll see. did I have some good footage in my backyard of shooting the BB gun with a with a laser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good footage. 
Good Did you footage. just have to hold up the camera? And, no, uh, the camera was on top of my head. Uh, and I was wearing my uh, nods, and then I had my little laser. And it was great. Yeah. It looked like something out of Cops. Now, dropping all that, getting back to um, how you got access to these firearms. Now, I work for a company that has FFLSOT, known as Gun Mag Warehouse. Check us out. Um, that's this podcast right now that you're listening to. That's how I get access to all of my firearms. Now they're not mine. Mm-hmm. They're not actually anybody's. They're owned by yeah, correct the, the FFL itself. Yeah, um, same thing with me. You can't you can't physically possess those as a civilian, and even to have those rules and regulations in your O seven and your SOT, you can't. It has to be a legitimate business. Like the ATF clearly says that on their website, it has to be a business. It cannot be. For your own, I don't remember what the lingo they use, but it just can't be for fun. Right, so I can't, like, create an FFL and an SOT just to own it myself. I'm like, well, I'm not going to sell them. I just want to have No, but on the flip side of it is that 70% of FFLs are actually residential. So that's people running them out of their house and stuff like that, and people that have websites and stuff. Um, on my side of things is I work, I'm a consultant for a firearms manufacturing company. We make a 9 mil upper and lower receiver, and we make a 5.56 five, upper and lower receiver. And AR-10s are coming soon. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm a consultant for them, and I've set up a lot of dealers and stuff like them. And, you know, um, I was like, well, you're going to need to put me on your manufacturing license, or I'm going to go work for somebody else. And they uh, chose to put me on their manufacturing license, and that's how I have access to the fun toys that I have access to. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, back on, like we were saying on drugs, it's a lot like machine guns. And that is a horrible drug. Yeah. And it's very addicting. You know, like when I started, and they're like, yeah, whatever you want. I'm like, oh, yeah, let me get an M4. And so we manufactured an M4. And about three days later, I was ready to do an MP5, and you know, and then about a month later, I was ready to do. Um, what was the next thing I did? What um, I did an M4, MP5, and then I was like, yeah, I think an MCX would be cool full auto. I think that would be a cool flex on the gram. And then, cool, yeah, yeah, and then a little while longer, I was like, man, I think I'd like to have a belt fed. This happened. And now I think I'm ready to have belt fed 50 cal. Dear God. After the Netflix show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to send them an invoice. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, uh, yeah. That yeah, would I be sent, awesome. I sent my girlfriend. I was like, I think we need one of these. She was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> I've never even seen one. Not a full auto. Yeah. Not a belt fed. Yeah. And then M2, the Browning M2 machine gun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. it's on top of all the Hummers and yeah, all that okay. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then, but yeah, there, there's sure. a lot of semi-auto ones out there and stuff like that. So. I thought you were talking about like a Barrett 50 cal. No, we're not going that route. We're going like, Jesus. No, we're going straight belt fed 50 cal. <clears throat> we need. We yeah, need, more power to you. Let me know when you get a hold of that. Yeah, and I'll have yeah. to come over. Anyone's, anyone's, anyone's got one cheap down in the comments <laughs> below, please. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. Airsoft version, of course. Uh-huh. Probably yeah. not very common. But I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure they exist somewhere. Yeah, Ohio Ordnance makes one. and Yeah, so I don't know how many they sell, but they're about seventeen grand. so 
Gonna need definitely gonna need a marketing discount on that. Jump change. Uh, Jack Gun Mag Warehouse. I We're trying to make a YouTube video. Yeah, I can throw seventeen grand at something for sure. Yeah, yeah. Not a house. Make it make it happen. Yeah, no. That would be great. That would be very cool. Now, I think that there shouldn't really be all these restrictions for civilians to have. But that's just me. I would way rather be able to own one personally myself and just do the background check just like anything else. Like, why, why? Yeah, I mean, you know, that falls in, you know, the class three along with the suppressors. The suppressors are just like, man, they're not movie quiet and, you know, all the other people in the media really hyped all that shit up. And, I mean, it does. Of course, it makes the weapon more proficient, but it doesn't make it movie quiet. I mean, know. depending on how you've got the the thing tuned, it won't necessarily work better with it. Correct. Suppressed. Correct. Yeah. In I mean, in, in whole high inside of it, you know, you put a your standard guy gets a sixteen inch AR five five six. He throws a can on it. It's still gonna be real fucking loud. Yes, correct. You know, and then God created three hundred blackout. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, the other part about that is, is the the decibel reading is still as like loud as a jackhammer. Mm-hmm. So like, it's still gonna be loud mm-hmm. no matter what. But it's significantly better on your hearing, and it's significantly better for people that are new, yeah, or like guys who are guys and gals who are just getting into this stuff. Like shooting a suppressed twenty two, it's like shooting a BB gun. Oh, yeah. That is the quietest that you can ever really get for the most part. But like I said, suppressors should absolutely not be on that list. Yeah, uh, SBR shouldn't either. It's both no. of those are just like ancient laws mm-hmm. that shouldn't really be on the books at all. Uh, but they are, and so they create all these these different headaches for people that shouldn't be the case because. Yeah, you're you're not an assassin yeah. because you want a suppressor. That it literally doesn't work like that. And I guess if you wanted to blame any anybody, you could blame Hollywood or whatever else, but like it's just not there's no grounding in reality for it. Yeah. And it's so difficult too for for new people to buy suppressors too anyway cuz it's just, you know, they're like I don't want to wait 8 months, you know. A lot of people still think you can't get them. They think mm-hmm. they're illegal. Correct, and it's like nope, they're not illegal at all. You just gotta, you just gotta buy, just like we were talking about crack earlier. It's like you gotta buy a twenty-two, and you just buy it and forget about it, and then it's like Christmas in July. Oh, (laughs) your first hit's free. Buy your can. Well, yeah, and then after that, you gotta suppress everything. I have, I have, I have thirty-two suppressors to my name. Jesus, thirty-two. So. Whenever you register an SBR, you gotta like ask permission to cross state lines with it. Um, yes, but Is it actually, the same for suppressors? you. Uh, yes, correct. Um, er, but from what I heard from now, this may not be a hundred percent true, but this was a legitimate source. So take it with a grain of salt. But I, I've heard that all you had to do was file. You didn't have to be approved. So you just had to say, hey doing this or whatever it's like if you're moving or something like that mm-hmm. i think is kind of what you're doing but um you know 
definitely wouldn't want to get anybody into any crime or nothing. But, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's actually owning a suppressor it. legally and then moving to another place, you know, whatever, as long as it's not California. Um, well, so the the tricksters over there at the AFT that are basically saying, "Hey, take a picture of your what we would consider an illegal firearm and apply for." Your tax stamp. Yeah. And if they don't process you in time, you have given them the evidence that you've already pre-built something that is illegal. Um, so that sounds like a trap to me. Entrapment. But let's say you wanted to go the route of like, well, I'll just, I'll just uh, pay the two hundred dollar tax stamp myself rather than get an amnesty um, and register this thing. But then you realize, oh, anytime I want to go somewhere with it like if i if i had one and i wanted to go home to visit family up in missouri i gotta like ask like what a pain in the ass i don't want to do that you know what's funny is when you have your when you have your ffl and your srt and all that stuff you don't have to file any of that well yeah but then you i got a whole other set as long as it belongs to the company but all my personal <laughs> stuff i have to do that yeah yeah but at that point then i gotta be a legitimate business so I got a whole other host of things I got to deal with. So it's like there's there's no good solution for it. No. And uh, unless, and I wouldn't recommend this, you, you sprinkle a little crime in there. You know, you just do <laughs> whatever you want. Right. Yeah. You just do whatever you want anyway, and then you no. don't have to ask yeah. anybody. Which the NFA is total. The NFA is total bullshit. Do whatever you want. I especially, wouldn't recommend it, especially with all the brace stuff. It's kind of changed, like. You know, I you know I've I've met like I I work with ATF and I and I you know sold guns to PDs and ATFs have been there and they've always been nice guys but during this brace shit it's just fucking horrible. I mean it's just like the biggest entrapment thing ever. Like Joe Blow ain't gonna be able to tell between a brace and a stock. You yeah. know, especially not the uh, and the you older know folks for the small fish in the sea like me who our bread and butter is a five and a half inch AR nine with a pistol brace on it. Yeah. Like what am I supposed to do now? Like I got hundred and twenty receivers that I'm sitting on. What am I gonna do? Sell all those at SBRs? Yeah, good exactly. luck. Exactly. Good luck. So yeah. it's been that way for ten years. We've been able to do this. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're like, nah, we're changing it. Yeah. And everybody wants to play semantics. Well, it's not a law. It's a rule. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's enforced the same way laws are, like through uh, the end of a barrel. So it doesn't really matter what you want to call it to me. It's it's about as real as it gets. So um, it's the same thing that they told me back with the uh, a whole assault weapon mm-hmm. definition. I'm like, the U.S. Army's definition means a select fire. So my AR is not an assault weapon. They're like, yeah, who cares? You're going to change the definition anyway. And sure as shit, that's exactly what they did. And yeah. not the Army, but the legislators. Yeah. And an assault weapon is anything we don't like. It's a weapon of war. It's like nobody brings a single fire 223 like M&P sport. <laughs> nobody brings that to war. But, no. hey, it looks sort of similar. So it's it's bad guy stuff for sure. Yeah. And obviously, I don't have a solution. I don't. I don't know what we're going to end up and like, all, needing all it, to see. And I mean, having running a short barrel gun, all it is is a disadvantage. Unless you're running like three hundred blackout or some of this other eight six bullshit that's coming out. But um, I mean, if you're running a five five six and you got a ten inch barrel, you're losing significant muzzle velocity and you're shooting a foot flame out your muzzle. So it's like, 
What benefit is that? Well, they'd say concealability. That's it. it and the problem is, is none of these people are concealing anything. Mm-hmm. Like the ones doing these shootings, mm-hmm. they're pretty much coming in as obvious as it gets. Or there's no concealment necessary. And even if it was, you think I want to conceal a 10-inch AR? Yeah. Like to like walk around? <laughs> You're out of your mind. I don't. That's totally useless to me. Anybody yeah. who actually uses that on a regular basis just wouldn't do it. Yeah. And if you're going to carry something around, you technically can carry around a full 16-inch rifle strapped to your chest. Yeah. In the state of Texas, at least. I wouldn't advise it, once again, uh, but technically you can do that. So then why have a short barrel anyway? Yeah. Well, because I want one. That's why. Yeah, um... This uh, company builds body armor, sent me a bunch of body armor just to shoot. I had some some ammo laying around that was pretty unique. And it's pretty, it's pretty like, there's a big noticeable difference between a short barrel and a 16-inch gun. Like, velocity and all that. I mean, it was, with with the right ammo, it was going straight through 16-inch. But 10-inch? Nothing. Nothing. Hmm. Mm-mm. Nothing. That's actually interesting. <clears throat> so really the only appeal is like, oh, well, CQB. Mm-hmm. Like, if, uh, you know, I don't want a big barrel coming around the corner where I can't see. Yeah. Because if somebody grabs that barrel. But if you're in that situation, you shouldn't be pushing past the threshold and giving away your position anyway, <laughs> yeah. whether you got a 16 or a 10, or a 10 yeah. 5 or 11 5 or whatever. So who knows? You know, this is bizarre. Well, there's just an obsession with controlling what free people do, especially things that they don't understand. Yeah, and it's even like with the filing for the transport, too. Like, it's just like, I have a legal suppressor, I have a legal SBR, and now it's paying the ass to go to another state. Like, I got to go over to Louisiana, I got to file for all this shit. Yep. I think it's all meant to be a deterrent. Yep. All those are set up, so it's like, yeah, you want to deal with all this headache? It's like, yeah, it'll almost be easier not to. Yeah. And for me... I, I have no real need to get a suppressor right now because if I needed one for media or whatever, yeah. the FFL has them. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't need to buy one right now and, and set up a trust or whatever else because if you don't set up a trust, then, like, my wife has to yeah, not, all that. not have access to the suppressor or else – Big trouble. Yeah. And all, coming to your door. And no all worries. of that sure. is a huge gray market, too. And, like, if you're an individual and you die, then what's it do? And then, like, it's just so weird. It's, it's like... For a piece of metal. Yeah. It's, it's strange. It's real strange. For a high... For such a regulated part that you get, and then, you know, you can file as an individual, and if you die tragically, then what happens to it then? Yeah. You know, and I've heard them say them as in they them those who <laughs> want to regulate guns like cars, like a, a title or whatever in a car. You jump through none of these hoops mm-hmm. that you have to do for a suppressor and everything else, and it's like so it's already more regulated than our than our automobiles. Yeah. So, what is it exactly that you're looking for? But none of that really matters anyway because whether we have the best arguments or not, there are some people who just want to live in fairy tale world 
where everybody's nice to each other and nobody ever aggresses against others. And while that would be great, that would be wonderful, it doesn't exist. And evil exists in the world. Um, and not being prepared for that isn't actually a virtue. So it's kind of a, uh, a deeply ingrained thing for me um, growing up. But I understand that other people didn't grow up the same way I did with the same type of exposure to firearms or uh, the realities of life. But it's really funny to see, and Clint Smith says it best, um, what happens to somebody who's very anti-gun who, like, gets robbed or has a shit kicked out of them mm. and then is robbed. And then the first thing they do when they get out of the hospital is go buy a gun. Yeah. Because they're never going to let that happen to them. Yeah, I was, I was working at Ray's Sporting Goods when COVID happened. And because uh, everyone over there got COVID and they're like, hey, you want to come sell guns for a little while? I'm like, sure. And so I was over there and, um, dude, I mean, yeah, like the movie World War Z, all those he hey thems or whatever you want to call it, they were in there. And just people just didn't know what the fuck they were buying. Yeah. Like with all the riots and all that other shit with the COVID stuff. And they're like, yeah, I'll take that. And they're like, okay, <laughs> cool. And I'm like, yeah, where's your ARs at? I'm like, and like, which one should I get? And it and it wouldn't it wouldn't matter what I said. If I said Daniel Defense or I said a radical, they were like, Yeah, sure, I'll take it. I don't care. You know, and it, it's just like it, it's insane. But what I'm excited to see now is that I think that the craze and everyone has really like stocked up and got their AR and got their ammo. And I don't think we're gonna see that like ever again like we have during COVID. You know, like the Obama administration and the mm-hmm. whole Sandy Hook thing. You know, that was a huge craze, thanks to Sheep and Dirt um, and all of those guys. But um, what price gouging? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I will those, never forget. Yeah. <laughs> never forget like, and never forget. Yeah. Case of Wolf, uh, eight ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Oh, you want you want an ARP mag? <laughs> like thirty round P mag? That'll be one hundred and fifteen. Were you all in business when that was happening? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just. There was two P mags went for on on um uh, on a eBay for a hundred ninety dollars for two P mags. They were open. They were probably used too. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. No, I was uh, I was just a consumer at that point. But I was also hearing about Magpul, like when Colorado's Mag Band was going on. Yeah. They were like r- rolling around in a car. Now this is what I heard. They're rolling around in a truck with a truck bed full of them, just like tossing them out to guys. Because what else are we gonna do? Like there's there's no serial number on them. So you don't know when they were made. Yeah. And they were just trying to get rid of them or what? They believe in what they're doing. They believe in what they're selling. Yeah. So if if your goal is to arm American defenders, you're going to you're going to dish those things out. Yeah. Cuz it's what you believe and I think that is hardcore. Good for you, Magpole. Appreciate <laughs> that. I'd like to see more of that going on uh, in We the do industry. we do accept tips. <laughs> yeah. Well, we sell more Magpul than anything else. Yeah, you know, it's tried and true, and that's actually what I'm actually this gonna, business I'm actually going to pick on. up some more stock up when I leave here. Yeah, this yeah. business was built on the AR PMAG. Cool, that's yeah. awesome. And then now we've spread into optics and everything else. Yeah, 
um, really grown a lot, obviously, and none of that has anything to do with me, for sure, which makes my life easier because this job isn't tied to sales, so I get to be honest. <laughs> Believe it or not, I get to tell the truth about a lot of things. Um, so it's it's way easier to do that than be like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest the greatest mag of all time. Mm-hmm. You need to buy them. I don't have to convince anybody of that. I just got to go yeah, out and that, use it. Yeah, that really leads into the misinformation, too, is a while these gun reviewers and there will be no names, but you know mm-hmm. they're getting they're getting a free gun and free ammo and you know it's just like uh, when I was competitive shooting, I was like you know just like oh whose whose ammo should I buy? You know it's like oh it's the guy who sends him free ammo, so he's yeah. going to tell you you know. But I can't really say nothing. I had I had three ammo sponsors when I was seventeen. Sponsors or sponsors. And yeah, if they're good. sending you free stuff in exchange for you to say, I would buy this, and it works, then there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Correct. Now, if, if it sucks and they're giving you, like, the stuff that's good and yeah, they're selling yeah. garbage to everybody else, that's yeah. totally different. I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, using a product that you know works and telling people you should buy it. Correct. Whether they give it to you for free or not, I think that's that's totally fine. Correct. But uh, if you don't yeah. buy the Gucci shit off the bat, Gonna buy it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> misrepresenting the truth. Says the one with the hollow sun. Trying to on his tr died. Yeah, hollow sun's <laughs> great. Hollow sun's awesome. <laughs> well, I don't really have much else. We covered everything I wanted to talk about pretty early on, and then, uh, man, whoever's whoever's editing this and then writing the blog post is gonna be having a tough time coming up with like subjects for each <laughs> thing. Because it's kind of a little weaving. Uh, I mean, we can do it again. I didn't. I didn't. It. I mean, I've never no. done this shit before. We're so not I've, doing it again. This is it. This is. This <laughs> all I get. We're, we're this doing is it my while. payment for taking you all guys. That's this it. Bullshit. We can do another one later on a you know another date, but there is there's no going back once that thing turns red. So there's no cuts. There's no editing. It used to be that way with this. This, with this is straight. Yeah. Straight, mm. cut, and dry. Um, no hiding. So I hope cool. everybody enjoyed at least some parts of this. <laughs> I enjoyed the whole thing. I had a great time. I usually enjoy my time with Jack. We're going to do some more stuff in the future, I'm sure. Thanks for watching, guys. Thanks for listening. If you're not watching and you're just hearing this through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening, thank you. Stay tuned for more. Thanks for shopping with Gun Mag Warehouse. Stay free.